Hi, Randy Ojeda here from Cigar City Radio, and this is episode 62. Hi, Jason Solanus here with The Jar Stopper. If you have a husband that thinks condoms are enough, but you just need that glass wall protection, The Jar Stopper. If you love Cigar City Radio, and we know that you do because you're listening, you can subscribe to the show via your favorite podcast app, whether that be on Android or iOS or Windows Phone. Do people still have Windows Phones? I have no idea if people still have Windows Phones. If you have a Windows Phone, (laughs) download a podcast app on your Windows Phone store and subscribe to us. You could do it. We're everywhere. Just search for Cigar City Radio. It's easy to find. We're even on Spotify now, so you don't even need a separate podcast app. You can listen to all your music, all your favorite records, and Cigar City Radio in the same spot. All episodes. It's beautiful. And you can find us on social media. How? Well, our new intern, Kasha, is going to let you know. Kasha, where can they find us? Well, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Cigar City Radio. That was beautiful. Thank you very much. The episode you're about to listen was recorded at the world-famous Blind Tiger Cafe in the heart of Ybor City, Tampa, Florida. The Blind Tiger Cafe is a speakeasy-inspired coffee house to serve vegan pastries, coffee, tea, beer, kombucha, etc., etc., etc. Our guest on this episode is now two-time. I said two-time, Jason, two-time. Two-time and Billy. Two-time guest, Billy Mays III. He's the son of the legendary pitchman Billy Mays and a prominent member of the Tampa Bay electronic and experimental music scene. You can go all the way back to episode nine to hear our original episode with Billy Mays III. But this week, we catch up about his recent touring, his new album Channels, released under his name Infinite Third, and he tells us some exciting plans to continue his dad's legacy. So find Infinite Third on Spotify, Apple Music, and Tidal, or InfiniteThird.com. Follow him on Twitter at Infinite Third, and check out the Billy Mays Digital Museum at BillyMays.org. So here it is, episode 62. Two time, <laughs> Billy Mays the third. Mm-hmm. Welcome back. Thanks. Welcome back I, to the show. Am I the only two time guest? Or no, no. You, okay. were, you were you were the second two time. Is there a three time? Kind of more fitting. Yeah. Oh, okay. There right. has not been yeah, a three time yeah. guest, so it would I'm, be. Fitting. I'm going for that. Yeah, it would be Next fitting year. for you to be the third. 2018. Yes, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, and you were one of our very first guests, like or very early yeah. on in the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's cool, like you know. I feel like we've we've come full circle. We've now. grown together. We we have grown we together. Have. Well, you you haven't like you haven't stopped doing things. You know, no, like, but you guys haven't either. So. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. like a second. That's true. <laughs> but you know, but you yeah, you got the new record out, channels, mm-hmm. yeah. and you've been heavily touring. I have to say, yeah, it's like you know, for for months, I was like, where is Billy? Oh, he's he's in New York. Yeah. Or he's here. He's we there. did two full months this year, which I don't know. It it doesn't seem like that long, but 
when you get back, it doesn't seem like that long, but it seems like forever. It's a really weird, yeah, weird thing. It is interesting because we were actually in New York on the same day. I know. I yeah. don't know did we talk about? Yeah, this? but we because you were too cool to meet up. No, no, I was I was too well. Yeah, no, honestly, yes, no, I was too far. We were too far into Brooklyn. I don't remember where you were playing, but it was like I was like, man, there's no way that I could do both. things. I did a but, yoga set in Brooklyn that was just totally weird. Honestly, New York beat the shit out of me, and I I didn't even enjoy it at all. Really? I, yeah, I was like exhausted why what happened? I, I don't know i just i don't I mean new maybe york has I, that way yeah i don't know it was my first time really trying to get in there and do stuff and i i was with my wife and we were just like we were just drained it was just like spiritually emotionally drained and, yeah. and money drained i got my car towed the first night oh, like man. stuff like that well i stopped them from towing it but i still had to pay the ticket uh, we're trying man. to save money you know and it's like that just wasn't it, it wasn't a good time but yeah see that's what you know we we manage a bunch of bands in new york and like a lot of what we do is in the new york scene and i love new york and like my aunt lives there it was, mm-hmm. it's, growing up it was like a second home you know we'd go to new york every summer but i never want to live there and i've had many opportunities to move there you know yeah. several times yeah. there were like things pointing like okay let's go to new york and it's because like yeah for me i mean maybe it's different once you live there and you Probably. get more settled but like you know, Jason and I will go to New York for a festival or something, and like it's four or five days of no sleep. I'll you know, come back and like, I'll just sleep for like two. Yeah, yeah it's it's hard. <laughs> That's what we <laughs> like, did. We we actually made it out to the Hudson Valley after that and stayed with some friends and played some shows, and it was like the complete opposite. Mm-hmm. And just we just want to stay inside and sleep, and you know, yeah, just, and, just cuddle and relax. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So so tell me about it because you know you're a, you're a solo artist, so it's yeah. you and your wife on. Yeah, tour. she she's kind of like the reluctant merch person that okay. she's just doing merch and social media for me just because she's the only one to do it. She knows we need it. Yeah, and uh, she does her own. She freelances in graphic design yeah, and uh, yeah, and yeah. artist, a fine artist, and she does like commissions and stuff. But when we're on the road, she she's working just like we we go we we just become nomadic and we we'll get to a town. And go to a coffee shop and work for like five hours, and then go to the show, yeah. find a place to sleep, do do it the next day. You know, that's so, that's sounds fun though. Yeah, like, no, it's it's honestly it gets to be such not magical tour feeling anymore. It's just like it's just like our house is our car, and yeah. it's a Subaru Outback. And there you go. You know, so you thought like, about just going all out, getting the camp. Or thought about anything, it. Yeah, I don't know. I, you know. I'm cool with the Outback right now because we couch surf. Okay, cool. I don't know. I don't like maneuvering those big vehicles around yeah. cities and stuff. You don't want to like attach like a tiny house to a trailer and just, you know. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Maybe a little, <laughs> if there was some kind of like pod that could go on top that we could sleep in, that would be sick. But yeah, it's, it's probably How about one there. of those uh, VW buses. Yeah. The newer that's ones. True, yeah. The thing that just pops the fuck yeah, up. Yeah, I've seen those. Those are sweet. Yeah. So, so you did the tour first and then I, and then you did, was it Kickstarter or? Yeah, I, I basically did di- like we got back on August 1st and I knew June through June and July that like, the next step is crowdfunding the album. And uh, this album has been in the works for three years or so. I think we talked about it last year when I was on. Yeah. And it was still just like, I don't know what the plans are. I'm just going to, you know. Yeah, it was it. still like an idea mm-hmm. at that time. Yeah. So August 1st to September 1st, I just totally finalized every plan I had that was I was working on during the tour. And then on September 1st, I launched the Kickstarter for 40 days. And the first week was great. And it was, I think I raised like, 20% of the goal in the first week or more, which like yeah, seemed awesome. like a great time. And then the next week was the Hurricane Irma oh, crap. Shit. So I didn't, yeah, I didn't, right. uh, I didn't even promote it for a week and a half. Cause I was like, I, I, I left town. I, I went on another yeah, tour. Cause you don't want to be that week. guy when people are like no. worried about the hurricane. You're like, Hey, yeah, no, it was, yeah, it, yeah. it totally went on hold. Oh, I, I still got some pledges like 
couple like one or two per day but yeah. i was like oh people man, that we might like, not make it yeah. Here, you know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah no, that's what it was yeah. yeah people that weren't bracing for the hurricane yeah the so we ended up uh leaving because we were already tour ready so we packed up more stuff that we cared about from our house and went up to west virginia where a festival was happening that i had turned down this year mm-hmm. which i played every year for the past five years called culture fest it's a very small festival in west virginia and I put out on Facebook, like, hey, we might leave Florida just, just to be safe for this thing. And the people from the festival were like, come up here and we'll pay you to do a set, you know? And then I, I played two sets and made a little, like, I made the gas money back and everything. And yeah, that's, that's awesome. So it ended up just being a fun time, but it was stressful still, like, being worried about that shit, if you remember. It was, yeah, no, that, that was a very, that was a stressful time. <laughs> that was for like everybody. The, most, the most mass anxiety I've ever been a part of, I think. Yeah. You know? No, like, it's amazing how quickly, like, everybody ran out of supplies like there yeah. was just water shortages and the wood yeah. shortages like mm-hmm. things that you didn't really think about it was just yeah. a big game of now you see it now you don't yeah 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 man i was i was in california but uh all, my whole family's here you know so i was like really anxious for like a week and every, every <laughs> like everyone was like what's going on with andy and i was i was like my my entire hometown might be gone next yeah week. <laughs> yeah <laughs> like it you know no and then they kept showing like well because you know the media's got to make it a mass hysteria thing yeah. so they kept showing that footage of like the storm surgeon this is how yeah t- oh, south tampa is going to be completely underwater and it could have happened my favorite know? one was the day of they had like five picture in pictures and there was a dude reporting like in front of a blue screen and the blue screen had palm trees and they inserted a CGI fucking ocean oh my God. like up to the top of the goddamn palm trees. Oh my God. <laughs> and like the picture in pictures were all just like destroyed land. Yeah. And I saw them scroll a fucking mouse over one of those things and it was a YouTube video. Oh, <laughs> it wasn't man. even real. Yeah. Yeah. Just totally fake. They, they totally give the storm this like this personality that just is coming for humans to kill them, you know? Yeah, and then yeah. I remember the, 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 the night it was yeah. coming, there was a Time Magazine headline that was just like, Irma sets its sights on Tampa after all. You yeah. know, it's like, <laughs> it was like, what? And it's the war goddess, Irma. And it was yeah, just like, yeah. It, it had so much, it was yeah. a crazy time. Everything pointed at Yeah. So you do have to hit Floridians over the head with it, though. Yeah, yeah it's true. They won't leave. Because we brush it off. And even my parents were just like, ah, it's not yeah. going to hit us. Ah, it's not going to hit us. Book it. Yeah. yeah. And then it sort of didn't hit us. Yeah. So. Well, people and, think it didn't hit us because of the, the burial grounds. You know about that? Oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, There's like some sacred grounds here that we've kept, and people think it yeah. it helps us that, that's avoid them every time. People well. were making <laughs> memes of it and shit. There was a Wolf on Wall Street thing where he was going, we're not leaving. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not fucking leaving. <laughs> yeah. oh, well, you so, gotta love the memes that come from any tragedy. And, it is. <laughs> and that's true. You know, you know, nobody, nobody realized that when you when you think about what the apocalypse is going to be like, that there would be a million memes and live streams. And, yeah, right. And commentary about it as of it's course. happening. Yeah, of course. Horse what? Yeah. What's a horse? Yeah. <laughs> So, okay, so things go on hold for the for the hurricane, yeah. but then you come back. I came back, and I was like, all right, I can kind of pick this up again. I got out there. I was playing shows again, and I, I got a little discouraged. I was like, maybe it's just not the time. You know, I was trying to raise $10,000. Yeah. Kickstarter is hard, man. Yeah, Crowdfunding, that's the, you know, I hear that from a lot of bands. They're like, yeah, we're just going to do a Kickstarter. No. We're going to make all this money, and I'm like, I, I don't know if it works no, like that, guys. It's, it's, Most of yeah. them fail, you know? Yeah. So, I think... What what then ended up happening, which was a totally different style of this, was I have a lot of uh, contacts in the direct response TV industry from my dad, yeah. who I, I know they usually support my projects. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm going to start reaching out to some of them because they're not in Florida. We're kind of over it now, and like, so I didn't even know that this is how it would line up. So the day I go, my it, all my schedule says is like, 
reach out to some of them and tell them about the project and see mm-hmm. what they want to give, if anything, or be a part of it. And that day happened to be the Vegas shooting, and they were all in Vegas for a convention for the direct response TV oh, industry. So God. friends of mine were in the hotel, locked down the whole day. Um, so anyway, so I'm sitting here like, oh, how tragic that I can't uh, promote my Kickstarter to them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't really, but I no, felt like an silly. asshole. I was yeah. like, but at the same time, I mean, you already had the hurricane and then yeah. the Vegas shooting. And, well, and, and that's all people were talking about for a week too. But yeah. it ended up being that that last week, which happens a lot, I think, just uh, everyone kind of rallied. I didn't really have to do anything extra. Yeah, so so it's still like... Yeah, still it, it no, so it happened and I was... We made we even made like an extra thousand on top of the goal. Uh, oh, really? So I, we made about eleven thousand two hundred. Oh, awesome! Which you know I have like stretch goals and stuff that um, this all went to vinyl and shirts, and I pretty much have merch for this whole next tour. I would say um, moving forward, that is all already paid for from the my backers, which is a good feeling. Yeah. So I can negotiate prices and stuff, and it's all it's all helps the cause, you know? No, and, that, and that's great that you were able to, to do it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, do, so for, for our other artists that are listening, like what would you, what did you learn from doing this, this crowd, crowd uh, campaign? What you said is the most important is like organize the shit out of it. Mm-hmm. Like you, I, I organized this for two years and rethought how to do it the whole time. Rethought the goal. Um, I tried to make it valuable. So it wasn't just like you get a sticker for 50 bucks. It right. was like, no, for, for, I think I think my number was seven. Uh, one, there was a bundle package that I was like really proud of. That was like seventy five bucks, and you get shirt, sticker, vinyl record, uh, name in the credits, handwritten thank you note. Like I wanted them to feel like they're getting something. Yeah, like they're it's, a part it's like of the it. bundle package. Yeah, like yeah. You get everything that I'm making from this project, and it's not that much more than if you would just buy it a la carte later. It's or less. I mean, it's it's less. It's less than that. It was like yeah. it was a deal in that sense for them if they wanted all that stuff. Yeah. Oh, an art print, like a, a one of 100 art print I'm, I'm doing that's still, we're still waiting on the records actually because it takes long. But Yeah, no, records yeah. like at least two to three months. Yeah, you know? so we're, we're, the test pressings were just approved last week and nice. uh, they should be in late January, early February. So that's, yeah. that's right on. I'm excited so to have So do you feel like there. you were uh, kind of channeling your inner pitch man for this Totally, one, yeah. Know? I mean, the album's called Channels. Yeah. Which is <laughs> <laughs> this funny thing where... Uh, you know, it, it, the themes behind it played so much into the making of it and into the what you're talking about, like having to channel like what it is that like, like being the son of this pitch man, you know. So yeah. I on another note, now that the album's done, I'll bring this up now because it's where I'm more focused on right now. The album's out there. It's done. I'm getting great feedback on it. I'm basing my tour on it. Um, I'm thinking about the next album. My, I feel like I have a good finished product. I'm I'm using this record now to like talk to labels in the future and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Uh, but now that the album's out of the way, I've kind of shifted my focus back to something we talked about, I guess, earlier this year, whenever I was on, mm-hmm. which is uh, telling my dad's story. Yeah. And so some big things have started moving because I've stepped into it more um, post-album um, to get the, the documentary made. Oh, and really? there's a lot of interest yeah. in it. I didn't I, know it was going to be a documentary. Yeah, so there's a documentary that uh, I just want to kind of tell my dad's life story from start to finish and kind of let there be a parallel story going that's modern day, me researching his life and talking to everyone that knew him and pitching myself yeah. as well, like pitching products and stuff and just having trying my hand at it, you know? And uh, side by side with that is I'm also trying to amass the ultimate digital archive of his work so every commercial he ever did in high quality, yeah. uh, every 
interview he ever did, every skit he was ever part of on Jay Leno and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And every meme that gets made about him, every right. art piece, because I still get them every day, you sure. know, a, a, a couple every week, you know, it's like... Yeah, I think I texted you once I was at uh, Megacon. Yeah, and right. I, and I saw some guy dressed as your yeah, dad. Yeah, the cosplay. Like, oh, There's yeah. always great... Yeah. yeah, it's 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 just something I feel like I have to do, and it's the perfect time to do it. We're coming up on the 2019... June 28th, 2019 will be the 10-year anniversary of his death. So I have this sort of internal loose goal to to put the film out on that day wow. and just kind of like, you know, give it that. Because I, I do that with everything. I it, My album has all this like weird numerology that I've made up myself and, you know, little little coded messages yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. So, so what's the process like for, you know, because you said you're talking to all these people and trying to get the digital, like, is, is, it, is it easy to like get those? It, it's easy in that, Compared to my music, this has way more support just in general with the general public. Like the the music is more just like this out there art project sometimes, but um, the the movie and the archive and all that. There's so many people that my dad affected in his life that they it's it's there. Like it's the the interest is already there. So I'm yeah. just like kind of I'm just kind of representing him now in in the world. So yeah. So it's you're just. You're just trying to find, you're just trying to catalog it, right? Uh, yeah, and right now I'm, I'm literally, like, last night I met with a bunch of people that I loosely know that, like, spent so much time coming up with him in the industry, and they had all these great stories, stories that I didn't know about how he, well, uh, this is just a funny side note, is that this this guy who's a, another pitch man but not as famous, mm-hmm. but uh, his name's Bo Riles. He used to be on HSN. My dad was on HSN Home Shopping Network, mm-hmm. and uh, Bo was selling a ladder, on TV live. And my dad had this thing where he kind of took over HSN and he was just this loose cannon because he would sell out every time because he was provocative and he would, he would curse and they'd have to bleep him out. Yeah. But they couldn't, they couldn't tell him what to do because he sold out every product he brought on. And he was like, he brought, he, he made it a bigger thing than just home shopping. And so this guy, Bo told me that he was on home shopping and my dad was coming off a different airing and he jumped onto the set and started pitching the ladder for him. And just like, started making jokes and and he and he didn't talk to him about it this was not planned and he got on this ladder and he was like he's like if this ladder holds me then you have to buy it i weigh 200 pounds or whatever and <laughs> and and he gets on it and they're afraid it's gonna break but he's like bouncing on it and it doesn't break <laughs> and they sold out the ladder yeah. and and so my dad's like apologizing to Bo after sorry I, I was just feeling energized and stuff and Bo's like trying to pay him like no you made it sell out so you know yeah. but my dad didn't take anything so there's just all these awesome stories that i didn't even know about how generous he was which i knew he was generous but it's crazy how many yeah just little stories here and there there must be you know if if I'm always hearing them yeah are, are you gonna like really go all out and get try to get like you know the some stuff from like you know South Park and oh yeah well like, I I really want to go to uh, to Trey and Matt's studio and yeah. talk to them just for like a one day shoot and kind of I I think a big part of this movie is gonna be just really conversational me meeting for coffee with people that knew my dad and uh, taking little moments and asking them questions and then kind of stringing together the timeline through that and then using all the archive footage, obviously. And yeah. thankfully there was a show called Pitchmen on Discovery Channel that my dad was on before he died. He he died while it was airing its first season. It was really successful. But thankfully that's a lot of behind the scenes, high quality footage that exists and a lot of storytelling already. So yeah. I, I can probably license that and use cool. it. But I so I've been convinced now that I can make this movie on my own, get some investment, team with like a filmmaker and, and a you know, production team and all that travel around, go to his hometown, our hometown, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. and, uh, and eventually have a finished film and sell it to a distributor like Netflix or something like that. And yeah. That's the plan. So 
I, I like I like that goosebumps. I'm like, <laughs> cool. yeah, that would, I like can't wait to see that. It, it's just something that has to happen. It's not like it's not my art. It's not you know. It's not for me really. Although it, it you know, obviously, it'll benefit me to get this part of my There's, life. Yeah, you know, kind of off my chest. You know, there's definitely but, like a catharsis. Yeah, there, I think. Yeah, you know, and the, and as far as the archive goes, uh, there's this this plan is running directly parallel, and a lot of the contacts are working for both or or helping me out with both, which is a nonprofit organization called BillyMays.org, um, which will basically the the mission is to kind of transition his legacy out of just pitching for gadgets and products and making it that he and I are using our name and likeness to pitch for good causes. So when you go to this archive, I really want it to be that instead of having ads or something selling ad space, it's going to be like highlighted. It's going to be donations to run it. Mm -hmm. And then there's going to be ad space for free ad space for good causes that I believe in. Like uh, there's, I've been listing for now for a year or so all these causes that I really agree with, even little local causes like CASA that helps uh, domestic abuse survivors and stuff like that. Yeah. And I, I'm just like so into it. And I, I think that it's my dad's unfinished business. I think he was slowly transitioning out of that world and into entertainment, which would have freed up his, uh, his persona to kind of do things he actually cared about a little bit more and as from his heart, you know what I mean? Yeah. Cause he was good at what he did, but I, th- I don't think he ever got a chance to like see it to the next step, which would have been kind of a more meta take on, on his character that he was, that he was like stuck in at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like as a as this over the top pitch man. So, so the plan for this one, twenty nineteen, is what you're looking at, kind Hopefully, of. Hopefully, yeah. Potential. We don't we don't know. I'm I'm I'm. Ex- it, it's the other thing where you know I don't know what's going to happen once we start rolling cameras and stuff. I don't know what kind of roads we're going to get taken down for it. You know. Yeah. So. But yeah, because I saw you post about that recently. Yeah, that was that was my step out. That was like that was on the full moon. I remember I was feeling weird. I was like, I was thinking about music still so much that. I, it almost felt like, what am I forgetting? And, and then I, it hit me all at once, like physically, that this is the next project that I have to kind of dive into. Yeah. The, the album's there. I can I can kind of still play live through this whole time. Like I said, we're like I said, we're touring next year. Mm-hmm. Um, so the tour will kind of be both to play shows in new places and to network and g- garner interest for the documentary and attract investors and all that. Yeah. That's so cool. Like I'm, I'm so into that. Cool. You know, I th- yeah, and I feel like I mean, I didn't know your dad, obviously, but um, I feel like he was one of those people that was always pretty good at like poking fun at himself oh, too. Yeah. And you know, I feel like he'd get the meta thing about it. Totally. You know? Yeah. I mean, he people, a lot of people don't know he was signed um, to be the spokesperson for Taco Bell right, when he right. died. Yeah. yeah. And, the, and I think that they were going to go in a direction that was sort of par- parodying infomercials more. Yeah. You know, and yeah. Kinda, he'd be pitching for tacos and stuff, and he was into it. He he got it. You know. There's actually a couple commercials out there that he did like for ESPN 360 that are like over the top, not not serious at all, but he yeah. was like being himself still at the same time. And yeah, I, I really wanted him to do more of that. So I, I think, you know, hopefully we can kind of explore what might have happened too in that documentary. Was was your dad like that at home too? Or was <laughs> like, I always wondered that. Well, that's like the, <laughs> that's one of the jokes. Like I did, I did an, I did like a fake interview with Cracked magazine mm-hmm. about my dad like 10 things you don't know about growing up or of you know whatever about growing up with a famous pitch man yeah and uh they wrote it i didn't even write it. i just had to like approve it they wrote the whole thing <laughs> you can go look at it it's it's like a really uh popular cracked post yeah and they they tried to say that all these jokes about how when I he was telling me like do chores, I would just be like startled and he'd be yelling to do all this stuff. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. Or, and us having like an oxyclean swimming pool instead of chlorine, just having an oxyclean 
clean the swimming pool and stuff like that. <laughs> but no, he, anyone will tell you that he was actually super quiet and uh, not like that at all. Really? Yeah. He would just turn it on. He could turn it on, and especially in public, like because that's where it came from, was from pitching on boardwalks and home shows and stuff mm-hmm. like that. He would turn it on. Not, he didn't have to be doing that. He could have been like in Times Square and a bunch of people recognize him. He would start pitching for people, going on people's voicemails and stuff like that, you know? <laughs> so, but yeah, then I, even stories I heard last night with those those pitch people, it was, it was he would go crazy and then after it, he'd be like, oh, sorry if that was too much. It just, you know, it just kind of happened. Like, and, they were, and they loved it, but yeah. he, was, he was always just like back to being that down to earth guy, that yeah. quiet dude. So, so to bring it back to the, to the music a yeah. little bit. So yeah, you, totally. you, you said like that some of what, you know, the album's called Channels and some of the album was kind of channeling this, this you know, this inner pitch man. And, and not just that. that it, it refers to how I feel I make my music. It's, it's so un, unplanned and it, the best moments of it come from just, it feels like random happenings that just kind of come through. Yeah. They're channeled, you know. Okay. So there's a lot of that. But um, did you guys see Jim and Andy, the Netflix uh, Andy Kaufman and Jim Carrey documentary? I, I haven't watched it, but I, yeah, I've seen so the I, It's amazing. Uh, yeah. I watched it about two or three weeks ago, and and it didn't hit me while I was watching it. Because I've been trying to decide, because like, I, I am doing pitch videos even as soon as like, now, because part of the Kickstarter that I did one of the big rewards was that I would make a 30 second pitch video oh, nice. for the, for your business or whatever. So the Dunedin brewery was one of them. Okay. I, so I'm, I owe them a pitch video right now. Uh, symphonic distribution, uh, video shampoo who made my video we traded. And I basically said, I'll do like a parody infomercial with you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Are you going to wear the whole thing? Well, that's what we, gonna... that's what I've been trying to decide this whole time. It's like, what is my persona as a pitchman? Am I like just parroting my dad Yeah. or am I coming up with my own style or kind of doing a hybrid? And I, one thing I came to is that I'm not going to wear the same clothes you wore, which is like the blue shirt and the khaki yeah. pants. I feel like I don't need to do that. People do that now. Like the people who followed in his footsteps are doing that because, you know, and it's, it's whatever. I don't have no comment on that. But, uh, <laughs> but me, I feel like I'm going to kind of modernize it, modern, modern take on it, on being a pitch man a little bit and not just be a, a barker, you know, yeah. coming at you. But there will be an element of that because there can't not be if, you know, if I'm going to say it. you, it's hard for me to say hi, Billy Mays here without going yeah. up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and just recently, they're running a Spotify ad for my album. Yeah. Um, Symphonic Distribution is running mm-hmm. one for my album. And they asked me to record a 30-second audio commercial. So I was like, all right, well, I'm going to try this. And I was like, hi, Billy Mays here for, or uh, no, hi, Billy Mays here. Um, my new album under the name Infinite, and I, I started, I, I, talked for 20 seconds 15 seconds maybe but i realized that i couldn't it was it didn't work unless i brought up the energy yeah and, like, and it made me feel really like like channeling my dad so to bring it back to andy kaufman and jim carrey basically he thought that andy was using him as a vessel to kind of get his work done or to tell his own story and, and to finish it and to put closure on his life and then that kind of hit me as like well i'm already like that's what i feel happens is that when i when i go into that world i'm kind of cha- i'm like the continuation of my dad so Perhaps, you know, he is, whatever you believe, he's using me or, you know, it's in our DNA to like yeah. finish each other's uh, lives out and, I mean, he gave and respect name, each other. Right? Yeah, yeah, you know? exactly. And he always said that too, you know, he's like, once his name started to become recognized that I should like, you know, use it and see what it, you know, if it, if it creates any connections or anything. So yeah. I think he knew what was happening there. 
that's maybe that's, he didn't maybe he knew he didn't have that much time too i don't know yeah, who knows it's quite quite i mean it's <laughs> it's definitely a legacy you know yeah I mean, so that's that's it's, really cool it's my duty i think to to take it there yeah yeah, but I love. I honestly like. I love the record. Like I've been listening cool. to it, and uh, I Thanks. I love how you're able to get across so many different like emotions and feelings without like like lyrics, you know, or without yeah. singing or something, you know. Like you can just like just through your guitar tones and your playing and your expressiveness, yeah. like it's a very emotional record. I think. Yeah, yeah. I, well, we've always looked at it. I said we like the people that I've worked with and stuff in producing it, and um, some of the people I've played with. We've always looked at it like the the guitar in my case is the is the lead vocal. Yeah, and I always kind of treat it that way, but not in like a soloy way. I'm trying to like sing with the guitar more, I guess. Yeah, and yeah, no, there, I mean, there's definitely like you know distinct melodies because I'm very against like wanky guitarness, and yeah. but yet I do all yeah, these. It's not guitar a Joe Satriani. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm also, I also feel like I'm not that good at guitar, and I stumble my way what? through it. And, and no, that's the, <laughs> it's not that I'm not good. It's just I'm not technically good. I couldn't tell you what it's happening. I'm just trying to forget about it and move my fingers on it. I don't know the scales that I'm using, and I don't, I don't know all that stuff. But um, I do know the feeling of this, a message is being uh, delivered through guitar melodies. Yeah. So that's, it, I, I kind of feel like an amateur in that sense. Is that I'm just. I'm just always rediscovering. When I play these songs live, it's it's just always a rediscovery. Like I don't know what I'm doing, yeah. <laughs> and it's great. <laughs> I love it. it keeps me interested in it instead of just playing the same shit that I I always do. Yeah, but know? I mean, you know, some of the best guitar players are like that, right? Where you don't have to necessarily. What's well, human? Know you know, it's like the, instead of being yeah. a robotic musician, I, I'd I'd rather just like be discovering it with everyone the whole time rather than just being so bored of it that I can like stick my tongue out and make faces. Mm, and right. <laughs> if you're jumping around on stage, you have too much energy for other shit. Focus yeah. On your guitar. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, but, and what's that like to, you know, cause you're, you're playing on stage on your own, you know, yeah. like you don't, you don't have a band accompanying you. Um, is, is it hard to like keep up the showmanship or I don't know if there is so showmanship. I feel like I'm so against, really? uh, being as something that I'm not on stage. Like I feel really, uh, I'm on my knees or sitting. Yeah, First yeah, I'm yeah. sitting, then I kind of adjust to my knees for like the more intense parts, but I'm constantly tweaking the, the pedals and I have a few lights around me, like just cheap lights that I've amassed. And I'm, I'm kind of like, I was talking about this today, I'm kind of anti, even though this is like the thing and it's like an obvious thing that's good for music, but like I'm anti having like trippy visuals, even though everyone wants my music to have trippy visuals. Yeah. There's something I like about yeah. they're stuck with just looking at what's happening in front of them. <laughs> and there's a dude up on stage and he's just sitting there and I don't know. It, no, it, that's cool. Like, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> it, it seems to fit your music better that way because you're trying to create an emotional connection between the music and people yeah. directly like that. That seems to be the focus of your music. So why it should is, they yeah. focus on the person creating it when they should just experience it? I also like the idea yeah. of like letting people create their own visuals yeah. for it. You know, and that's right? how I feel right now. Yeah. Is I, I don't want to. I didn't even create any music videos for this, which I've always been into doing music videos, and I've always had visions for for how they should go. And this time I had planned to, but the whole time I'm like, nothing feels right for these these songs. Like they're just songs. They're not. Yeah, and I never thought I'd be like that because you know it's like a sin to not have a music video right now. Yeah, no, I mean it probably hurt my press campaign to be honest to not have that to push. But I was just like, no, I want it's a forty minute record. It's it's twenty minutes on each side, and the songs run into each other. And I wanted it to be an experience where you have to listen to it all. Yeah. So and you wrote it like that with that in mind, mm-hmm. like this is a yeah. full audio experience. Yeah, that, like know? there's only two moments where the tracks actually stop. So between track two and three, and 
it, there's like a stop and a start, but it's like directly happens. And yeah. between track five and six, which is side A to side B, and then the rest is all seamless to each other. So, what's going on in that first track with the, the chanting? <laughs> oh man, and the, what, what, that was the essence. Doing? That was what brought it all together. I guess it was, okay. uh, it's a woman that I know, a friend of mine named Kat Von Gray. Mm-hmm. She lives in St. Pete, and she's sort of this. Um, I, I want to say energy healer or something like that. I don't know what she calls herself exactly, but um, she she uses what's called, what she calls a light language that is sort of her just channeling, uh, speaking in tongues, I guess, you know, is what a lot of people have referred to it as. Yeah, and well, it so she, yeah, so she yeah. does that. And um, I heard her do this at a show I played with, it was like an event that I played. And then right after I played, she did this like guided meditation thing and then went into doing that. And instantly I just thought, she's channeling, I need to put this on my album. Like It all just hit me at once. Like This is how I start the album. Yeah. I needed something bold to start it. I didn't want it to just be like my classic ambient music fade up or anything like that. I wanted it to be something where when you turn the record on, you like, you're like, what, what the fuck? And it's, it's actually disturbing a lot of people. Which yeah, is, no, I, can, I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so she actually, I asked her to do it and she, I, I don't want to speak for her because I don't know how she actually sees all this sometimes. Mm-hmm. I just know how I see her seeing it. And um, we got together and it was a really intense experience where um, her husband recorded it and I was there and we all meditated first. We, I told them about my vision for the album, what it means and stuff. And she said, okay, I get it. So I, I'm going to, I'm going to, they're going to give me a message for you is what she said. And uh, wow. so she went up to the microphone and just belted out like eight minutes worth of this that was all over the place. And I took the part that resonated with me. And the crazy part is after it, it was like, whoa, that was intense. And she came up to me and she said, they want me to tell it to you now. And, and off, off recording, she like looked me in the eyes and did like five minutes of it. And, wow. I, and it was just like a really intense, like personal moment. But, you know, I, I, I grew up in uh, like the Catholic church and I feel like a lot of people um, hear that, hear that uh, voice and think that it's like satanic or something like that, which I mean, I, I'm into like satanic imagery because I think satanic is usually just referring to like anti certain religious ideas and sure. like trying to shake the shake the uh, shake people out of their yeah, belief. It's not necessarily a worship of Satan. Yeah, no, it's like antagonistic in a way to dangerous ideas, which I've always I've always liked. So, um, so I I get really positive vibes from her doing it, even though I know it's intense for some people. And some as some people have told me they've had to skip that track, and that's fine. You know, it's. Yeah. I, I wanted it to be like they're uncomfortable at first, and then it's it slowly gets more relaxing. I think it the does. album and as then, it goes, and then so. it flows into the next song. You're yeah, like, all right, cool, yeah. All right, I can, I can do. So this. that's kind of the whole you point know? of my live sets is that they get uncomfortable, too loud, too noisy at first, and then they go into like prettiness and relaxation. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you're getting a reaction out of people, and that's yeah. like that's the whole thing. Yeah, you know. That's like what what is John Taffer always says on Bar Rescue. He's, he's not, I'm not in the bar business. I'm in the reaction business. Oh, shit. Yeah, he's about getting reactions from people. Yeah. You know? See, what you do wow. is you put down a red napkin when someone comes into your restaurant the first time. <laughs> I love this. You yeah, know the, the butt funnel that he came up <laughs> the butt funnel? Yeah, you never heard about the butt no, funnel? No, what's the It's funnel? apparently, the, this is his invention. Wasn't that Steve-O's idea? No, no. He, like John Taffer patented this shit, man. He, it's, uh, he invented this thing where, like, the, you know, railings would c- sort of move inwards to force people when they're exiting and coming onto a dance floor to, like, 
touch butts, you know? What? Like to move in closer together. And that was his idea. That was the butt fun. Wow. Yeah. How can I harness this for my shows? I, I want people touching butts when they're. they're you need they're more butts. Just, yeah. <laughs> just, just tell bring them in the bar rescue guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or, no, or no, bring in the, rest, the restaurant impossible guy. Oh, no. The restaurant oh, impossible guy's a little people too People would be intense. punching each other's asses. <laughs> 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 See, but that, that's kind of where like your, your dad's show pitch, Pitchman was going, though, right? It's like kind of that sort totally, of reality. Yeah. yeah. You know, but helping uh, inventors yeah. connect with the industry to get to. See, my dad always cared about the inventors. Yeah. And that was what made him different. And that's what everyone tells me about from the business is that my dad was a little different because everyone else was, there's a lot of companies, I won't say any names, but they, their thing is like, they, they say, we're going to help inventors. And then they just kind of take the idea yeah. and give them like the smallest percentage of, of what they make from they, it. Yeah, and it's a standard thing. Make them, they're trying to make but money. My dad wasn't about that. And he, at, at some point there was a deal where OxyClean, his, his product that he put on the map and it was all handshake based. There wasn't like a contract. He was just pitching for OxyClean. And then it got sold to Church and Dwight, which is the company that owns like Trojan condoms and Arm and Hammer and stuff. And it got, it was this huge deal. And they bought it under the assumption that my dad comes with it as the spokesperson, but there was no contract. So my dad felt really screwed by this and was just like, he, he threatened to go look at other companies to join and stuff like that. But they ended up giving him some kind of deal. But I think yeah. that moment in his career, kind of put him back on like the hungry side of like I just want to take these inventors and like get rich with them you know like yeah, help them yeah. get rich so we can all make money together and it was like it was kind of his vision of you know he he was 50 when he died and he only became famous when he was 40 yeah. so he had these this 10 year period where he had some power to give back and I think that um he had this vision of the American dream of like somebody invents something and then just like it takes off which I don't know if I completely agree with everything that he did but I know that his heart was in the right place that he just wanted like these humble dudes to like to get to the next level just based on what they yeah. invented so. on, on the value of their hard work. Yeah. yeah, I uh, I watched Pitchman. I watched every episode nice. of Pitchman. So you saw me I, in it too. The, I saw you in, in the Pitchman. background. <laughs> I I watched the first ever Billy Mays OxyClean commercial because I was up late all the fucking time <laughs> watching that shit. Whoa. Um, and my favorite moment, my favorite moment I think I've ever seen with your dad on anything is when they had the guy with the double saw fucking sawing a car in half yeah that shit was yeah. wild yeah there was never a better sales pitch for any product no that was I crazy ever. i was on that shoot i was a pa on that That's, shoot that was madness <laughs> yeah. that was just a stroke of genius but yeah uh, i appreciate i don't know if the dual saw is still around i haven't seen it but that's um, the kind of shit I that know. i have to actually like archive to see who owns that footage and get it cleared to be on the movie and be in the archive yeah. um i'll probably just have a youtube channel that hosts all the hd commercials that i can and all that so yeah. yeah, but the the pitchman stuff there was some there's some funny <laughs> things that happened. Yeah, there's some but moments. it was totally reality TV stuff yeah. too. Like yeah. there was a storyline where they I hated this. They I was a PA on the shoot and the 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 product was called the Gator Blades and it was these like state of the art uh windshield wiper blades. Sure. And uh it wipes away mud and shit. Yeah, and the yeah. demo they decided to do was they got they made a gun that shoots live crickets at a windshield. So that it would splatter everywhere, what? and it, it was, this was on the cover of TBT back when it, they shot it. It was my dad pointing a bazooka at a windshield, and it, I forget what the headline was, but it was it was it was funny. And uh, I was legitimately like, "Dude, why why are we doing this? This is so stupid." I was like really vocal about it because I was I had a little bit of special treatment on the set. Yeah, I guess I wasn't sure. just like an employee, but uh, if you were a regular PA, it wouldn't. Yeah, no, I no, wouldn't. Yeah, have been, yeah. I w- it would have been unprofessional, <laughs> but it probably still was unprofessional. But I was basically like we could shoot like pudding at it or something. Like, what do you want to do? Like, why do you want to kill all these crickets? You know? Yeah. And so 
the producers who were shooting the behind the scenes of the shoot for Pitchman were like, hey, why don't you just like grab that box of crickets and run away? And so, then, so I was like, well, I don't really, I can't really do anything. And they were like, no, no, just do it and uh, bring it back. And I was like, okay. So I was like, and I ran away and it turned out to be like the dramatic part of the episode where right going to commercial was like, when we come back, little Billy decides to take matters into his own hands. And it's like, Billy, no, dude, no. Slow motion. <laughs> but literally, I just walked back with them. I was like, all right, yeah, I can't do anything. Yeah. You guys are just going to do it anyway. So. But oh, they made so it like good. this negotiation, like to get me back, and yeah, yeah, it, 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 that's the the funny part of reality TV. Right, it probably would have got much worse. Too. The magic of television. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you got You got to have those high stakes. Man. Yeah, without totally. it, you know, what are yeah. you gonna do? Yep, little Billy. <laughs> <laughs> little Billy. That's fantastic. I still get called that when I'm around people that knew him. You know? Do you really? Yeah. Is that that's just what everybody called you? Would, would you were, yeah. Cause you worked with your dad for a long time, right? Like, yeah. You, you know. Uh, since I moved to Tampa Bay, yeah, which was like over ten years ago, um, oh, over ten years before right. he died, yeah, or no, something like that. I don't know, yeah, fifteen years, something yeah, like that. Time, but, is yeah, a yeah, I don't know. Thing but uh, <laughs> no, I actually, I grew up spending time with him at the home shows as well. So when he was pitching, I was under the booth playing with my toys when he would come to Pittsburgh, where I lived. Mm-hmm. I'd be playing with X Men toys or whatever, and. Um, so I feel like something absorbed into me in that time anyway. But they called him for some reason Bucket Billy in those days because he had a product called the Washmatic that was a, a water. You could you could make a hose from just a bucket and the hose, but it would be a squirting hose to wash your car. So they called him Bucket Billy, and he would have a shirt that said Bucket Billy. And then people started calling me Little Bucket Billy, and I had it. there's all these pictures of me with a shirt that says Little Bucket Billy. It's kind of embarrassing, but, you know. Little Bucket Billy. I, yeah. lo- I love yeah, it. Whatever. Maybe I'll bring yeah. it back someday. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and you said part of this archive, too, is collecting, which, I mean, this sounds like an incredibly daunting task. But yeah. Collecting the memes that's, and yeah, the that's artwork and the cosplayers yeah. and everybody that you see. So how, how are you going to do that? I've just already started doing it. If you go to billymaze.org right now, you can see a lot of that stuff that I've just put it on a Tumblr. Um, so I'm kind of archiving it myself there. But um, a lot of uh, that stuff, I'm not too worried about. I feel like people are going to send it once they know what it's about. That's they want to be on it. you know. Yeah. But I really, th- part of the goal is, this is my vision right now, is like the first campaign for billymaze.org will be, I'm going to team up with a famous artist like Alex Gray or someone like that mm-hmm. to make like a really epic wall size Billy Mays painting that they gift for us to do an auction and make prints out of and hundred percent are going to go towards one cause that I choose. And like, maybe the goal is like to raise $50,000 or something. But, um, so I mean, imagine like, like the, the, the cover of a tool album, but it's my dad, you know, like with the the epic, uh, art, you know? So I, I want to make like really fun, funny, exclusive, like fine art stuff. And cause that's where I, that's where I, what I think about anyway. So, Yeah. Local artists, stuff like that. It's there's a lot of possibilities, yeah. and it's all for fun and for for charities and stuff. That's really cool. Yeah, it's it's a, it's amazing. Like how many people's like your dad like influenced and touched, and you know mm-hmm. how many people love him. Yeah, I, I'm still surprised by it sometimes. Yeah. I don't know. Well, it's I like I said, know. I was at I was at you know a comic book convention. I saw a guy dressed as your dad, and I was like, oh, well, let me take a picture. I'm going to send it to his son, yeah. and he's like, what, really? <laughs> and, I said, and then like I like message it to you on Facebook, and I was like, oh yeah, he says it's cool, and the guy was like, what? He thinks yeah. it's cool. <laughs> that was all, I mean, I love him. People, I, I actually did the year he died. I did uh, a Halloween costume contest through uh. through my website, and TMZ. 
like question this idea because they didn't know how my relationship to the to his public image. I, yeah. I don't look at it as him. It's like it's like his work yeah, when yeah. someone impersonates him or something like that. And so I did this contest where I was like, I'm going to pick the three best and give different prizes. Like I gave basically like infomercial product packages that I had donated, and I, I gave them to the winners. So and I in this thing I also said zombie. Billy Mays is okay because I knew people were doing that because yeah, like, yeah. he's dead now. So, and I, I found it funny. Like really good zombie uh, Billy Mays costumes were cool to me. Yeah. So TMZ, the, you know how they do these weird headlines where they quote you but it's not something you said? It's just like your intentions but they put it as a quote. Yeah. Billy and Mays says, says he's happy with his father's death. Exactly. You know, it said, I yeah. want to be haunted by my father, Billy Mays the third. And I was like, <laughs> What? <laughs> So then people were like, oh, that's so tasteless and stuff. And I was just like, yeah. come on. Like, and same with South Park. Yeah. I, I, I'm a South Park fan. I was a little afraid of what they might do to, to him on South Park. But I watched it by myself. I didn't tell anyone when I heard he was going to be on it. And I was super excited. And I was like, this is the best thing. This is the best. This is like yeah. the best honor that I could think of. Yeah, because in a way, that's going to make your dad more immortal than anything yeah. else. You know, like yeah. South Park will live on. You yeah, know? totally. So <laughs> I'm, I was just... You know, people were like, you think that was tasteful? And I was like, yeah, I thought it was tasteful in that they didn't shit on my dad's legacy. They just kind of included him in this storyline and kind of like did what they do. And I think that's the best thing you could want. put him next to Michael Jackson. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) exactly. Also, like, what does taste even have to do with it? It's just you could tell that they had affection for him. Yeah, no, exactly. They chose him to be part of it, you know, and and that much a part of it. Totally. Like, tastelessness is like South Park's thing, but it doesn't mean that it's mean. Yeah, exactly. It's it's always silly and over the top. Yeah. Yeah. It's the joke, yeah. So I want to meet those guys. I know that they they knew that I approved of it and stuff. Um, So I, I would like to go meet them and just exchange the experience from each side and then maybe leave with some kind of uh, screen print framed uh, signed yeah. thing of him and maybe auction that off. I don't know. Yeah, you know what I mean? Really so, cool. And they, they seem like the kind of people that, you know, if their schedule allows, I'm sure they yeah, can do it. Popping in know? for a lunch meeting or something yeah. and hanging out. Yeah, yeah, I don't think it'll be an issue. Like they're, they seem like surprisingly normal guys. Yeah, I really respect them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah. Give us a rundown of what, what next year is looking like for you because, you know, we're, it's pretty much the end of the year now. Yeah, so. I've got three months of local shows and, and just my, my days are pretty much tour booking. So then uh, April, I'm going to be doing the East Coast and Midwest um, for about 30 days. And then May, I'm going to be back around for a little bit doing what I do and then June and July it's this west coast like looping the country uh, and built into all this is sort of this build up to my ideal goal is to start shooting the movie in August officially or at least starting pre-production Yeah, and so this winter I would be deep in the trenches of shooting this movie is what I'm hoping for wow. so that's it. That's that's 2018 for me. Is like there's not much to fit in there except no, <laughs> except the, playing music and, and working schedule. on the the all the Billy Mays stuff, you know. That's awesome, man. Well, uh, any final thoughts for the Cigar City Radio listeners? No. Mr. Two-time guest Two Billy Mays? Two-time, man. Um, no, I just uh, check out my album channels if you want. It's on Spotify and all that and all Apple Music, Bandcamp. Yeah. And um, don't search Billy Mays. Search Infinite Third. Yeah. You can you could search like Billy Mays music, I bet. I don't know. Yeah. I'm sure. I don't know. Maybe yeah. not. Yeah. Well, I think well, there's like a jazz drummer actually called Billy May that comes up. Um, yeah. Those jazz drummers. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, Infinite Third channels. I actually have a follow up. I, I shouldn't say follow up, but it's a it's sort of a an ambient drone uh, reinterpretation of the album that's coming out exclusively to the backers and first exclusively to the backers and Bandcamp subscribers. 
that I'm finishing up now that's completely meditative, no drums, no heaviness. It's just this like droney experience. Sweet. And it's called Listening. And it's kind of got like the same naming scheme. It's, it's like, any, anyway. And then I'm going to be in the future during all this time, because it doesn't require much work for me, is I'm going to be curating a remix album of channels. So if you're a Sweet. producer and you want to be part of that, hit me up. Uh, we, I'll be, we, I'll be we sending out stems and stuff. So yeah, so yeah, I, I, I want it to be like, I, I'm fine with it being like, 20 or 30 tracks of just all, every kind of remix you can think of and um I mean, just for fun too yeah. you know? and it's not it's not a lot of pressure yeah okay, i'll yeah. do a remix yeah dude. <laughs> <laughs> it'll suck but i'll do it <laughs> i'd be into that I, I really want like uh i want someone to just totally do something effortless and just like put it through a tape player and just start breaking the tape or something you yeah. know like a noise remix i'd love to like just sit in on one of your writing sessions sometime and see how how this happens <laughs> there i don't think there is a writing session oh, yeah no, i don't know it's... if there is writing it's a it's a combination of just playing and maybe before i go to bed playing the album in real time in my head and seeing what changes each time that's probably the the process it's very cerebral yeah cool. Maybe a little too cerebral too cerebral <laughs> hey it works man yeah all right well billy mays the third two time bad welcome back So um where where so so let just